What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Duke Wisdom Podcast. For the first time this season, the Duke Blue Devils, ranked number seven in the country, won a basketball game. So they they first elevated uh, to number seven in the country back at the, the turn between November and December, lost their first game ranked seventh, November 30th, to Arkansas, and then followed that with another loss to Georgia Tech that same week. They got back up to number seven just a couple weeks ago, played Pittsburgh, lost. Back to number seven once again, it seemed almost like a foregone conclusion, especially uh, with Duke having lost five of its last six games in Blacksburg. I, for one, almost had this one as, as just marked up as an L on the schedule. There's two games every year that I just about almost preemptively put an L on the schedule for um, if they're playing them. And that's Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech and NC State and PNC Arena. Those two games seem like impossible tasks for Duke. But they have broken the curse in more ways than one today by knocking off Virginia Tech and Blacksburg and getting that win as the number seven team in the country. Not to mention they were wearing the cursed black jerseys. It's a lot of curse breaking today. Virginia Tech normally, normally shoots the absolute just... They shoot the freaking skin off the basketball so often against Duke. But today, that wasn't really the case. The Hokies shot at just 27% from three, including uh, just 0 of 6 from uh, Sean Padula. And uh, 2 of 4 from Couture. I would have taken a 2 for 4 two years ago in the ACC title game. Alas, that didn't happen. Uh, A goose egg from Tyler Nickel. Uh, Duke, Duke struggled, struggled defensively at times on backdoor cuts against Virginia Tech, and I'll get more into that. Uh, honestly, that might even be the only complaint for, for today's game. But on this episode, we'll talk about the Virginia Tech game, and we'll talk about the Clemson game. I actually think I'm going to talk about the Clemson game first and foremost, um, and I want to lead by saying that I was not... Well, I watched the Clemson game. I watched the Clemson game. I went to the Carolina Hurricanes game with with a couple of my my friends, and uh, we we got there real early. <laughs> so by the time that I was picked up and making the drive to Raleigh, um, the game had pretty much had already started. So I was watching the game on the car ride, and then I was watching it standing in line and climbing the stairs up uh, to the third level in PNC, and I was watching the game, just sitting there. And let me tell you, at the end of that game, I was turning to my buddy and I said, man, I've watched enough Duke basketball to know they're not winning this game. It doesn't feel like they're winning. This is not a game they're winning. The aura is off. When when Flip made, the, when they drew up that one play at the end of the game for Flip to get that shot, I almost lost my mind because he hadn't played a good game. Got the shot to go. He didn't get the free throw to go because he's a, uh, well, he did actually, but for a lot of the game, he didn't get the free throws to go up. Really poor, poor free throw shooting game. I'll get more into the the free throw shooting uh, as 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 I get talking. But when PJ Hall got fouled, I was like, well, "That's it. Duke has just lost this game." But they get bailed out on the other end, and Clemson fouls Tyrese Proctor. Yes, it was a foul, um, and I have. <laughs> Very clearly, I think when when plays like that happen, I, I put on my objective journalist glasses and I'm like, is it actually a foul? And I will tell you, if you guys ever want to know if you guys ever want to take off your Duke bias glasses and you want to know 
what are are the Duke fans actually arguing for the correct take? Ask me because I think in in my time writing and covering teams, I've become pretty good at, at bringing an objective lens to especially to officiating. And on that play, there was it was a foul. It was a foul. Did Tyrese Proctor, you know, snap his head back and try to sell the call? Absolutely. Did he have to do that? Absolutely not. But the people complaining about that have clearly never watched uh, or at least haven't watched the NBA in a very long time. You're not familiar with the games of Joel Embiid and Trey Young, my friends. That's just how it how basketball goes. Uh, being able to sell a call like that is is that's a good thing when you become a professional. But um, it was a foul. It certainly was a foul. There's, I don't think there should be any argument about that whatsoever. Uh, I saw Theo Penson talking about how it's just a call you don't call. And it's like, well, well there are some officials that, that let plays go at the end of the games when there's foul and they, fouls and they just don't call them. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. Don't just let them get away with it because it's the last play of the game. Like, hold them accountable for all 40 minutes, not for 39 minutes and, you know, 55 seconds or whatever. You got to hold him accountable. If he fouls on that last play, you call it. Tyrese Proctor had a pretty bad game from the line against, um, against Louisville the game prior, just two of five. I touched on that on the last episode. His free throw percentage was 87 last season, and after the Louisville game, it was all the way down to 72% after he shot two of five. But I think interestingly uh, enough, maybe he he took that to heart. And Tyrese Proctor's playing with a different kind of swagger uh, about himself lately. He had that 24-point game and then he uh, against, against the Cards, and he followed it up with 18 against Clemson for a 21-point-per-game average over last week. Uh, I'd say definitively his best week. As a Blue Devil, and I don't think it's particularly close, and he shot four for four from the free throw line, four of six from three, five of ten uh, from the floor. Just a fantastic effort from from Proctor, but he didn't even get player of the game. You got to talk about Jared McCain in this one. 21 points, three steals, five boards, uh, two assists. Terrific game for McCain, earned him player of the game. Mark Mitchell had a solid game. He had 13 Kyle Filipowski, not so much. Two of eight from the floor. Uh, Goose egg out of three from three, five of 11 from the line. What has happened to Kyle Filipowski? He was a pretty good free throw shooter last season. And uh, I know coming into tonight's game against Virginia Tech, he was 67%. I imagine uh, that fell. (laughs) I don't actually know what he shot from the line. I'll I'll, I'll look at the box in a second. But uh, really good start of the game for Caleb Foster. Uh, against Virginia Tech, but against Clemson, just five points for him. Not a whole lot of help from the bench. Jeremy Roach came came back, came off the bench, came off the bench again today against Virginia Tech, but he played 25 minutes. He only scored five points, though. Not a whole lot of impact, just one point from Ryan Young and nothing in seven minutes for Sean Stewart. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. Oh, like Overall, P.J. Hall didn't even, didn't even play all that well, but he got to the line, and he made his free throws when he did that. He was 5 of 13 from the floor, which isn't horrible. Ends up with 19 and 10. Uh, and he very much outplayed Kyle Filipowski. I, you know, I tweeted before that game, I thought that Kyle Filipowski needed to outplay PJ Hall in that one for, for Duke to win. And he didn't, and Duke eked it out. You know, this is one of those games that it was like, 
don't lose this because this this can become an upward trajectory game for Duke. What regardless of what the end score was, it was a one point win. And honestly, they probably should have lost it there in the last couple minutes. But they didn't. They didn't lose the game. Um, it wasn't Duke's best game, but at the moment it's a quad one victory. And it's and they very much narrowly avoided losing their third home game already this season. And and this is a big one. And if, if Duke wants any chance, and I mean any chance, at winning the ACC, they they could not, the regular season that is, they could not lose this one and now let it be known i don't think they're gonna they're not gonna because they're really honestly probably going to need to sweep carolina to win the acc regular season and i don't see that in the cards the heels are just too good for that this season dukes (laughs) they're the one ironically on their heels they need to just get one w off on carolina and i'll talk about that a little bit but i do i think i'm hopefully going to do another episode thursday previewing the carolina game i think i'm in a very unique position to talk Duke Carolina because uh, of my status as a writer, you know, with the daily Tar Heel covering North Carolina men's basketball and then running Duke wisdom for over a decade now. Um, obviously I, I know Duke basketball, uh, at least I hope you guys think so. I hope you guys don't listen to this and you'll, man, this guy just doesn't know ball. Um, but I hope, I hope you don't think that, but you know, I have a limited takes, I suppose, on this Clemson game because uh, my attention was so diverted. It just kind of being on my phone and walking around and stuff like that. But huge, huge ice in his veins free throws by Tyrese Proctor. Very much reminiscent of, of Tyus Jones uh, last week in a lot of ways. And that 21-point game for Jared McCain helped him earn Duke's first ACC Rookie of the Week honors for a player. That was big time. He got uh, Rookie of the Week 15.5 points per game. I honestly think Proctor would have been Player of the Week in a lot of different weeks, but Duke just can't seem to get that. R.J. Davis had a terrific week, though, uh, no doubt, for the, for the heels. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, so Duke ekes out a win over Clemson. Uh, Brad Brunell complains. Clemson fans cry. All other college basketball fan bases cry. Everyone hates Duke. Uh, you know Duke... Uh, won a game when everybody's mad on Twitter. So <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And then today, this might be the most impressive win that I can remember at Virginia Tech. This one and maybe the one in uh, 2020 uh, where Duke rattled. They, they beat Michigan State and Virginia Tech in consecutive games, and that was a really good win for that 2020 squad. Similarly, this is just a fantastic win. I would have guessed... You know, nine times out of ten, they walk into this game, they don't win it. Especially coming off of such a narrow emotional victory against Clemson just two days ago, by the way. I would have never thought, you know, that they had to travel to to Blacksburg, play in this just incredible away environment at VT, a place where they consistently and historically have struggled. And they didn't. They played 
terrifically. I think this was Duke's best offensive game outside of maybe like the pit game and like, you know, Queens and stuff like that. But this is one of the best games they played all year. It is, in my opinion, probably their second best win of the season behind just the Baylor win. Uh, Jeremy Roach came off the bench again. I, I mentioned that earlier, but he played 29 minutes. He led the team in scoring with 16. Perhaps not his um, his greatest game, but still a very, very good game. Four or five from three. I keep, uh, you know, I keep saying it, man. Jeremy Roach, just how reliable is this guy? Four or five from three. He knocked down his free throws. Um, you know, Sean only played four minutes, zero points. We're seeing a little bit, again, of a steady decrease. Duke kind of carves out the fact that their rotation is mainly seven guys. And by the NCAA tournament, really, Duke's not going to play any more than seven guys. I think that's pretty clear. 14 for Kyle Filipowski, eight rebounds. Solid game for, for, for him, six and nine from the floor. He was very strong. And I like Kyle Filipowski's matchup against, against bigger, like thicker big men, um, which is kind of what he had when he was going against, uh, I think it was Poteet. Yeah, Poteet inside. and. Um, because like Mark Williams, when he played guys like that, he got absolutely obliterated. Like a key for Ohio State back in 2022 was giving Mark Williams the absolute business because those guys are shot blockers. But it was like putting just the, the shoulder into the, the, the chest. Mark's too skinny. He couldn't he couldn't deal with it. And Derek Lively was honestly pretty similar with some matchups like that at times. Uh, but Kyle Filipowski struggles in the opposite way. Actually, it's the athletic bigs that give him a fit but a guy like that Filipowski bangs with him he doesn't have to have a really high release point on that guy and he can take his time and be very effective at scoring I think he would have had a a nuclear game today if it wasn't for foul trouble I think that that cost him some buckets but still a good game for Filipowski a solid bounce back after not playing well against Clemson Mark Mitchell had eight points he had some big dunks Eight and eight, but it wasn't the greatest game ever for Mark Mitchell. Six turnovers isn't isn't beautiful. Uh, a lot of a lot of bad passing from Mark Mitchell, but still had some some big buckets, especially in the first half. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, twelve points, five assists, doesn't really tell the story of what Proctor was able to do. He was five eight from the floor, two or three uh, from downtown. Proctor just playing with so much poise, so much poise. He's seeing he's so confident. And that is so valuable to Duke. Having a confident Tyrese Proctor is maybe one of the most valuable things Duke can have. Because you can get Filipowski banging on all cylinders. You can get the freshman going. You can get Martin Mitchell going. But this team, honestly, I I think might go as far as as Tyrese Proctor's willing to take them. Because guards win in March. Filipowski's going to be very important. He's going to have to be consistent for Duke to make a run in the NCAA tournament. But Duke's going to go about as far as Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor will take them. That, that you know The other guards are very important, Jared McCain, Caleb Foster. But I think it's the returning captains of the team in Proctor and Roach. And Proctor's proving that his play can very much directly impact what happens with this team. That they have, have done very well over the last three games. They're on a three-game winning streak heading into Chapel Hill. And he he has probably reasserted himself as a first round draft pick, I would imagine. He had taken himself right out of that conversation. I think scouts have probably seen what they need to see from him. And barring a monumental drop off again, I think Proctor's back into the first round. Which bar is a very interesting who's coming back question. But I'll touch on that later. We're in the middle of the season. I don't need to talk about that anymore. 
But just what a fantastic game from Proctor. Um, I mentioned how Caleb Foster had a terrific start. He had eight of Duke's first 12. He didn't score after that. He only actually played 15 minutes on the game. But he was very, very crucial to start that game because Virginia Tech made some shots, got some good backdoor cuts going. That crowd was going. And they had a couple shots. Filipowski had a layup that just just wouldn't go in. And Proctor had a mid-range shot that just wouldn't go in. But Caleb Foster made some some ballsy shots. He made some big shots for Duke down, you know, in the, the very beginning of that game that allowed them the game to stay close and allowed Virginia Tech not to take command of the momentum and the rhythm of the game early. And that was huge. Uh, talking about the rhythm and the way the game was played early on, I think it's huge. And I want to really, really stress the fact that um, the pace of the game, God, I loved the pace of the game to begin this. I, I hate it. I hate it when play is just broken up with, you know, foul, foul, foul. And the officials are, dictating the pace of the game. And I don't want people to get confused because I did make an assertive claim on Twitter about how complaining about officiating is the lamest thing you can do. Bl- yeah, Blaming losses on officiating, unless it is just like um, they blatantly 100% missed one call that directly contributed to the outcome of the game. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Some Clemson fans would probably be like, oh, that's what happened. And that's not what happened. We've gone over it. It was an actual foul. Um, I think I've only ever complained about officiating like one time and it was like genuinely, and it was the Virginia game last season because that was just a botched call, uh, that they just didn't get it right by the rule book. They did not get that call right. And that one was unbelievable. But I, I think it's just like, if you're blaming the officials for losing the game 99 out of a hundred times, you should, you could be blaming a lot of other things for that game. It's not really on the officials. And I'm not blaming the officials for anything here. All I'm saying is I just don't like when they they call a bunch of fouls. I like to let them play a little bit, you know, let them play a little bit. And they let them play a lot in the first half. And I loved it because it was quick. It's like before you even knew it, it was the under 12 timeout. And there was never an under 16. And I just loved the pace of that and the way it flowed. It was just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Because college basketball sometimes could get clunky and just all oh, the fouls. And they sort of got that way in the second half. Very much actually got that way for a while in the second half. And that's what got Filipowski in foul trouble. And if you ask the commentators at a point in the game, they're like, Jeremy Roach has three fouls. And I was like, oh, wow, he's got three. And then he picked up another. I was like, that's four. And I was like, John's keeping him in the game. And then he picked up another. I was like, he's got five. I was like, he just fouled out. And it turns out that the, he actually had one foul. <laughs> when when they said he had three um shout out to Corey alexander and, and company um what a guy Corey alexander anyway um so sometimes you just you gotta be skeptical and check the box but they were a little inconsistent from first to second half with how they uh officiated the physicality of the game i i guess i can't complain but so much you know duke needed to make their free throws they're still into the game Six of ten from the line, which just, you know, I mean, two of two from Roach, two of two from McCain. Young missed his one, which was tough. And then Kyle went two of five. And I don't just know, I don't know what it is about Kyle. Kyle's got a shot that's difficult to, it's not kind. Kyle Filipowski doesn't have a friendly shot from the free throw line or from three. He's not getting the roll. That's not happening. 
It's either bottoms up for Kyle Filipowski or it is nothing but just clank off back rim because he has a very high arcing shot. It's a good release. It's a good release, but it is a very high arcing shot uh, that is just going to dud right off the back rim or it's going to go right through. And that's pretty much the two options with his shot. And so free throw wise, if he's not feeling the jumper, odds are he's also not feeling the free throw line either. And so I think that's what we've seen the last two games from him. And he needs to get that ironed out because that's a, that's a, he goes to the line more than any other Duke player. And that's, that's somewhere where he needs to be respectable. uh, Certainly at least down the line of a game when, when those free throws really matter, that's, that's a big deal. Um, Hopefully he'll, he'll turn the, the corner on that sometime soon. But, um, Good game for McCain again. I want to talk about he only shot one of six from three, three of ten from the floor, nine points, ten rebounds. Talk about the rebound. I've talked about this before. The rebounding efforts by Jared McCain are absolutely brilliant. This kid is just a rebounding extraordinaire as a six foot three guard sometimes. And his defensive efforts are spectacular. He had so many, and I didn't talk about this, but down the line there. You know, you're Clemson, you want to blame the foul calls. How about blame the three times or whatever you turn the ball over in a row in the last, you know, like minute plus of the game? And Jared McCain was the mastermind behind forcing those turnovers. His defense has been fantastic because he's gained confidence. He's become so much more than a three-point shooter. He can drive the ball. He can finish. He rebounds and he defends at a very high level. I think that, that people should be considering Jared McCain for, for ACC All-Defense. I don't know if, if voters are thinking about him right now, but they should be. Uh, that His impact goes far above and beyond just three-point shooting. And, and, and I hope that, that if Duke can keep winning at the rate they're winning at, that McCain can, again, really start easing his way back into that um, you should consider me for rookie of the year conversation as well. And you know who I didn't have, I haven't talked about too much, but he was the player of the game, Ryan Young. Kyle Filipowski picked up four fouls. It would have been easy, easy for Duke to have uh, relinquished the lead to VT at that point. But Young came in, just made some stellar plays. Beautiful patience under the basket, uh, getting some some great low post finishes. He shot five or six from the floor, and he had the most emphatic dunk that I think was even possible for Ryan Young to have. Just his third dunk at, at Duke, if we're counting the uh, the – the freshman on JV grazing in his first dunk uh, that he had against Pitt in the ACC tournament last year. And he had the one of the fast break earlier in the season, but this was emphatic and it was a half court play big. And then he had a huge block from behind on a dunk attempt by VT. Just what a game by Ryan Young. His stats weren't the best out of everybody, but I think he had just the most valuable and most crucial performance at the most vital time. Uh, another 10-point game, his second in conference play, had 10 against Georgia Tech, and the, the win against Georgia Tech, that is. And just what an amazing effort. Ryan, I mean, Ryan Young catches a lot of flack, but man, Podcast Boy goes in, and he, he, he plays his role, man, and he plays hard, and he does everything you ask of him, and that's why he plays. And everybody who's like, Ryan Young shouldn't play, stop it. This team is, is going to have a seven-man rotation, and Ryan Young is very, 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 very much part of that. Very much part of that. But at the end of the day, fought off a, a, a good Virginia Tech team that really needed this win to make a push for the NCAA tournament. 
Duke denied them that win. Duke denied uh, being a victim to to the historical kind of trends that is the them coming into Blacksburg and also them coming off of, of a small win against Clemson, like where they barely eked one out and a kind of a weird way. Now Duke's on a three game winning streak. They've won 11 of their last 12. They're ranked seventh nationally, and they have the chance to pick up the biggest win of the season as they go into the Dean Dome on Saturday and play number three, North Carolina. It's going to be interesting in a lot of ways. It's going to be a crapshoot, but that's not one that, that I want to get into too much right now, but huge, huge stakes for that game. Carolina, I think, will be 10-0 and in ACC play heading into that one, and that's going to play a big factor in, in what I, why I think the game's going to pan out the way I think it's going to. And if you want to hear that, you'll have to tune in Thursday. But um, just a giant, ginormous win over VT in a game that I think can be a huge tide turner for Duke this season especially if they knock off Carolina in Chapel Hill. If Duke gets that win on Saturday, this team's just going to fly through the moon. Absolutely. They're going to fly through the moon. But don't want to get ahead of our, ourselves. Three, three straight wins, big wins against Clemson, and an even bigger, a big win against Clemson, and an even bigger win at VT. Thanks so much for, for, for listening in, guys, as always. And uh, make sure to subscribe and Follow the podcast wherever you're listening. Follow Duke Wisdom on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. And I'll be back at you and hollering at you Thursday. And we'll be talking Duke Carolina, the greatest rivalry in sports. It's going to be a fun one, guys. It's going to be a really fun one. Number three versus number seven. All right. I'll holler at you.